Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hart. And each week on The Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Sean Harper. He's a former college and seven-year professional football player suiting up for, among others, the LA Rams, Houston Oilers, and Indianapolis Colts, as well as the Amsterdam Admirals and yeah. Frankfurt Galaxy in NFL Europe. But not forgetting, he has also pe- appeared on MTV's Made. So welcome onto the show, Sean. Hey, you know what? You must have done some research. You found out that I was on actual MTV's made. No one even talks about that anymore. Kudos to you for that. Thank you for having me on. Well, I was doing my research. It probably helped because we had that one with, because uh, I had spoken to you a couple of weeks ago in terms. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do, do do my due diligence. I try and find as much information as I can. In you know terms of it's on, if it's on social, um, social media, Google, I'll try and find it. You know, that, that honestly is awesome because at least you know the people that you're bringing on and for the most part the content is authentic which lets me know that you have a real heart for your people that's huge so in terms of for for my audience that don't know about that show and we'll start there what is the context of the tv show made wow so you know i was contacted by MTV owned by Viacom and they're like, you know, the overall um, aspect of the show is there's a guy or a young lady and he or she has a dream or a vision and someone who has the capacity or someone who has been on that stage or, or as um, has gone before him or her in that area, uh, their job is to whip that person into shape and get him or her ready for that day or for that moment. So let's say that uh, someone was aspiring to be a, a, um, a uh, singer or a rapper or a musician. Well, then they'll bring in a professional singer, rapper, or musician and just, um, just ransack that person's life, man. And just for the next six to eight weeks, we're going to take you to another level from where you are to where you're going. And um, it's fun, it's funny, and it's brutally honest. So, yeah, I love that show, and I love that opportunity. I still need to try and find that. <laughs> Maybe I can get you a copy of that episode. You know, you know funny, because I actually mentioned that this morning. I was on another conference call, and I was helping Jordan to become the prom prince. It's not the prom king. It's He's a junior, so it's the prom prince. And I had to... Whew. it took six weeks and we just, just totally ransacked that kid's life. But you know what? When it was over, he won and he was able to take the girl that he wanted. So that's cool. Well, it's good to have the winning result at the end of the day. Yeah. And then obviously in terms of, I've spoken to you at length uh, because of the, the original episode we were meant to record together 
didn't work for, due to technical difficulties. But can you explain to my audience, in your opinion, what the difference and the definition is between winning and actual success? Because some people might actually blur the lines between the two. Right. And so I guess to make it extremely simplistic is, first of all, winning is something that is outside in. I mean, I'm sorry. Success is something that is outside in. Winning is something that is that is basically inside out. Every single person, you are born a winner. Um, and I had mentioned earlier that if you were to go to a sports team and the team lost every single game for the next five years, there's no way on God's green earth you'll be buying tickets. Or if you do, you're a serious fan. Uh, but if they won every single game, you couldn't find a ticket. Why? Because people are people not only like winners, they are attracted to winning in every aspect. Gambling, I don't know about the UK, but gambling is a multi-billion dollar entertainment sport, whatever. Multi-billions of dollars. Why? Because people want to win. When we were kids, we played games and some um, people that you know are, are listening to your podcast, they are still gamers. I mean, they'll game and game for, you know, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. What is driving that? What's driving that is that is that DNA attached desire to win. It, it goes all the way back before birth. The mere fact that you're listening, you're one of two or three million sperm cells that made it. So winning... Is in your DNA. But what happens, at least in the United States, around a third or fourth grade, um, another aspect is introduced. And that aspect is called success, a hijack, if you will. And basically, it's now prescribing what your win will be. And so your win now, as of the fourth, fifth, sixth grade, when you're a teenager, is that my win is that I want to be successful. Well, the problem with success is that success is not static and success is prescribed. You have an individual win. And for me, my individual win is the fullest expression of who I am mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, financially, and legacy. How I prosper in all four or five of those areas. Most importantly right now is legacy. Success doesn't teach that. Success teaches that you win or you're or you've made it in life if you've achieved primarily financially. Success teaches you to produce. Winning teaches you not only to produce, it teaches you to reproduce. And so success teaches uh, or is centered around goals. Winning is centered around strategies. Success teaches, as I mentioned, to produce. Winning teaches to reproduce. So winners think about scaling. Winners think about the longevity. Winners take winners take the game of life and they play it all the way to the end, to the last day. And on that last day, okay, when you do inventory of your life, it's not, I wish I would have spent more time with the kids. Not... I wish I would have done what I really wanted to do with my life. On the last day, it's everything is in order. I'm at peace. I won. Success, on the other hand, on that last day, is full of regrets. Full of regrets. That's the difference. So in terms of, and and, and I'll put this into context for people, and I will share this video into the description. 
what would you class ripping up the phone book as winning or success? What would I classify ripping up the phone book? Yeah, in terms of that that video that we talked about, and you said it's a, and obviously it doesn't do you justice because you said it took five minutes to rip the phone book yeah. up, but <laughs> it's only a th- what was it? Three minute video or slightly less? Easy, right? Ripping up the phone book is is basically ripping up the script and ripping up what life is telling you what success is and giving you the opportunity to redefine your win, to redefine your success, or I'm sorry, to redefine your win. The book represents the script of your life, right? So when you uh, go to a movie, before that movie is written, there was a script. And before that script was written, there was a title. The title is your name. And it might not be, it might not be David or John. I mean, it could be on the surface, but your title could be something much more deep. It could be loser. It could be failure. Um, It could be underachiever. It could be overachiever. The name dictates your script. This is how your life is going to play. And then the script dictates the characters. And then the characters now make the movie and people are watching your life. When I ripped that phone book, I'm saying, you know what? Take charge of your life and win. If you can still breathe, you can win the game. Because in football, you don't have to win all four quarters to win the game. You just got to make some changes, make some moves, make some adjustments, touch them, rip the script. But obviously, Sean, in terms of you playing on the offensive line, in terms of the script line now and you using your words, do you, can you be more in the, in the presence of winning than the defense in terms of, and I'll, and I'll put this into context, because obviously you have a playbook, mm-hmm. you are able to preempt and obviously make an audible and change it. But do you think a defense is obviously playing on the fly? Well, yes. Every but but the the thing about winning is that winning almost certainly involves a team effort. So everyone has a role. So that person that that now I'm on offense, I'm trying to score. When I leave the field, the defense is on the field. And their job is to prevent the score. But at the end of the day, you're focused on the win. So every, almost every major successful, super successful person that I've ever read about, they had a team. So like in the United States, one of the wealthiest men, men in America, still a guy named Bill Gates, right? The CEO of Microsoft. But no one talks about his teammate, Paul Allen. He was the third or fourth richest man in the world. He just died recently. Everyone talks about Warren Buffett, but no one talks about his partner, Charlie. Um, In the UK and in the United States, you know, there's famous musicians like uh, the Rolling Stones, right? Like Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger, right? No one talks about the silent guy on that lead guitar named Keith Richards. Keith Richards brings it. No one talks about Keith Richards. Everyone talks about Mick Jagger. But without Keith Richards, there wouldn't be a Mick Jagger. 
Without Maceo Parker, there wouldn't be a James Brown. Without Fred Wesley, there wouldn't be a James Brown. Without key people in your life to make up someone offense and someone defense, without that team, never get to the next level. You never get to the next level. That's how we were created. So, yeah, I got somebody for defense to handle their offense, and I got the offense to handle their defense team. So how does that make you feel in terms of when the media talks about the spotlight of, you know, it's a quarterback versus a quarterback, when in, in fact it needs, well, was it 60-plus people to make a game? Right. So – how does that make me feel? I'm more, I'm more concerned about the win. Okay. If I, if I ever get in this, and this honestly is one of the challenges in 2018, 2019 is that we're so success driven that we've now become individualized. So we have iPhone, iPad, Facebook, FaceTime. It's all about me, 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 me focused. Winning always involves a team. It's really hard to win in life or to move forward if you don't have a team. How does that make me feel? When we win the game, I can celebrate through my friends. I can celebrate through the quarterback. The only thing the quarterback has to do is give me a nod, like, great job, and that's all the satisfaction I need because I know I made that happen. That's a win. And if it ever gets to the point where I want the spotlight, I want to win, I'm in the wrong sport. Not only am I, not only am I in the wrong sport on the field or in the wrong position on the field, that can carry over to life as well. Do you think you were in the best position to be? It is all about the team being on the offensive line because they're not, and I'm going to be gracious here, to say sometimes undervalued. You know what? There was a famous rapper, right? His name was KRS-One. I don't know if you know about him only than you. KRS-One had a, he was one of the pioneers of hip hop and he had this slogan in one of his uh, songs. He said, real bad boys move in silence. And so whenever you see, you know, the person who has the limelight, oftentimes that's not the person that's making it happen. Let me give you an example. I went to a industry party. I used to share a little secret. I used to work in the music industry, right? On the off season, LA football. Everybody had a side gig, right? Producer in the music industry. You know how we do, right? So I was in the music industry. And so I went to this industry party, great industry party. And this guy was dropping, I'm not going to mention his name, famous guy was dropping his new album. So everybody's listening and everyone's all around the new artist and, you know, his little entourage. And over in the corner was this guy from Scotland. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's probably one of the most powerful drummers I ever heard in my life. He's from Edinburgh, Scotland, right? And um, I strike a conversation up with him, friends to this day. And I'm like, he had on some jeans and a little T-shirt. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, 
I'm like, so who are you? He's like, I'm the producer. But he's a little accent. The producer? He's like, yeah, I'm the producer. I'm like, what do you mean? You're producer? Yeah. I get paid off all their stuff. I get paid off of their stuff. Whoever they bring to the table, whoever they think they bring, they bring to the table, I get points. No one's around me. But I'm like, but you got the money. I thought that was absolutely amazing. So he's happy because the artist is happy. And he's sitting in the back. He's getting paid. I'm like, that is what a team is all about. So when you want to make a record, man, do you know you got you got A&R, you have, you have the sound engineer, uh, you have the sound tech, you got the producer, you got the executive producer, you got the writer, <laughs> you got so many people. But all you see is Beyonce. Like, nah, that's not how it works. There's always a team involved. You just don't see it. You forgot the for, for, uh, choreographer and all that to go with it. What was that? The choreographer as well. Yeah, you got the makeup. Yeah, yeah. So, but is that because people in this day and age are kind of have the blinkers on, and in terms of this, I'm going to focus on the here and now and in the moment, and everything else is superficial in a certain sense of the word. Yeah, I think that that is. I think that that is the case. I also think that the media has a lot to do with it. The media, um, like if you ever get a chance, whoever's listening, go back and watch a movie from the 60s and 70s or even the early 80s and watch how long they focused on one thing. They would focus on one thing or have one dialogue script for like 45 seconds, wouldn't even change or pan away. Now in 2017, 18, 19, it's blink every minute, blink every minute, blink every minute. And what's happening is that you can't focus on one thing. So what the media is doing is that it's getting you to focus on so many other things, focus on yourself along with all the other things. And so now they can market to you better. They can um, um, brand better to you because you're really, you're really not in the now. You're caught up in everything else with all the flashing lights. And it's very dangerous because you can lose your life like that. Let me give you an example. If you ever go to a casino, you'll notice that the casino never has clocks. A good casino won't have a clock. And they have all the flashing lights and the sounds. And it's dark. And there's no clock. And guess what else? There, there's no windows. So now you're disoriented. And once you're disoriented, now you're easier to control. A good bank doesn't have a clock. A nightclub doesn't have a clock. Whatever wants to take from you, whether it's time or money <coughs> or information, the first thing they do is that they take all your reference points, windows and clocks. You know what else? When you're being interrogated. There's no clock. There's no window. So our society is being, um, I don't want to use the word hypnotized, but, but you're being led astray because your time is being monopolized by marketers. 
Like I spent like 30 minutes on Facebook this morning. Like, what the heck am I doing? I'm just scrolling and scrolling like, wow, this is amazing. So anyway, yeah, great. But do you think it's because the subtleties of, of it, be it, even TV does it, be, uh, because the, um, the, the biggest one um, would either be Microsoft or Apple be in, because that brand is so uh, unique in terms of, you know, just by looking at the logos, you know exactly what they are. Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it started out in the, like, sports teams would do that for years. Like, you know, if you're able to hit a home run right under the home run sign, there's a field, there's an advertisement, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just, it's just there. And then it's, you know, when you drive down the street, there's a billboard. You notice you don't see a lot of billboards anymore, big billboard, you know, do this. You don't need that no more because it's all it's, it's it's all it's all media driven. So it's seconds, seconds, seconds. You're just looking at this. You're looking at that. You go to Facebook. You see this, and it's just subliminally telling you what to think, what to buy, what to do. Yeah. But does that come back to your point in terms of that success driven because it's materialistic? Yeah, it is definitely success driven. It is one hundred percent. Our society is 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 one hundred percent success driven. As I mentioned earlier, we are success focused and not win focused. And naturally, we are win focused because we produce and we reproduce, just like nature. You take an orange, the orange falls. There's a seed; it can reproduce. The only fruit that doesn't reproduce is a GMO, genetically modified organism. And guess what? Success is a GMO because you produce, you don't reproduce, which is also why in Western cultures, we don't value senior citizens. The moment you're 60, 62, hey, you retired. Why? Because there's no more use for you. Other, Other cultures are like, hey, we value you. You still have wisdom. You still have a lot to contribute. But in our subculture, it's, hey, goodbye. So let me ask you this question, then. Where would an athlete fall in, in terms of that definition, then? In terms of, would it be produced or reproduced? Because it depends on how you um, perceive it. And in what, in what regards? Uh, injury, retirement. Because it's the same it obviously... Thing. Well, obviously, a career is very short. Actually, actually, it's even more, more blatant um, as as a professional athlete. The day you're not able to produce is the day you're gone. The day, not next month. It's so the day that you're not able to, which is why, as an athlete, you have to take care of yourself. And always think about the win. There was an athlete that was holding out, right? And this guy was holding out for, and I think we mentioned his name. He was holding out for much more, much, much more. But he realized, hey, I've been playing this sport for a couple of years, and I'm looking at the longevity, I'm feeling the pains, and I'm also looking at the productivity of athletes in my position five, six, seven years down the road, their productivity drops 
and um, it's hard for them to get re-signed or get on another team. So I have to create a win for me now. So he held out and he got, I don't know, he got a lot of money. He got a whole lot of money, but that was why, because to protect my win in the future, when I'm unable to play, I don't have to worry about where my next meal is going to come from because I have the money invested and I can live happily ever after. So should a younger athlete think of it from that basis, not from a monetary standpoint now, but looking at it as winning, not at all costs, but obviously going back to the old school of, 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 um, of being in terms of, obviously you only have first, second, third, and you don't get a trophy after that, but going away from that model where we were stuck in upon where everybody got a trophy, which in itself is probably detrimental and then puts it on success. So if I hear you correctly, you're saying that should all athletes be thinking about winning. So are you talking about high school athletes or collegiate or professional athletes? I would say go back. I would probably even go further back, even earlier than high school. Oh, so you're talking about when mom and dad brings you to the game and you're playing and your team loses, but you get, you know, you get to run through the tunnel with the participation. To me, that's the most, that's one of the most dangerous things you can ever do to a kid. That is, yes, I'm going to make people upset right now. Because what happens is that you take away, you, wow, you, you strip, you take away the desire for the win by taking away the pain of the loss. When you step on the court of life and you're about to play the game of life, there is a chance you can lose. If you don't believe me, at least 85 to 87% of everyone in the United States will be dead or dead broke by the time they're 65 years old. At least 80%, depending on the government for subsidies or their family. Poverty, uh, to me, is a loss. Bankruptcy, to me, is a loss. Horrible health, to me, there's a loss. There is a chance that you can lose in the game of life. So you have to play the game to win. What happens is that if you take away that loss, if you take away the pain, if you take away the adversity, when, not if, when the student feels it later in life, when he or she is maybe harassed or bullied or things don't go his or her way or horrible rejection, now, because that muscle's never been strengthened, because you've never coached him or her through that moment, it's devastating. It is devastating for him or her, and they can't take it. And a lot of them don't rebound from that. Why? Because they were sheltered from it when they were younger. Whenever there's a loss, you take that loss and it becomes a coachable moment. And you can push them past the loss because when they leave the house and they're 18, 19, 21, 22, they're going to experience some losses, maybe a bad breakup. It just maybe to get laid off or downsize. You strip them of that win when they're younger. You strip them of, you strip them of that failure when they're younger. You strip them of their resiliency. 
But could you ever ever recover that, even if you had it? What I'm hearing is is that even if that's happened in the past, can they develop it in the future? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Most definitely, because if you have a pulse, it means it, and you have, and 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 you have a belly button, it means that you're human. So that means if you're human, the wind <laughs> in you. The wind is in you. All you have to do is activate it. All you have to do is activate it. And you activate it through adversity. And you would have to have some encouragement and some motivation and some direction and some correction. But yes, it could be reactivated because it's in you. All it needs is just to, you know, get the dust off, check the plugs, pour a little spark plugs, boom, boom, and it's there because you're a human. But does it come down to this this notion then, Sean? It's embracing failure, embrace, embracing adversity, as opposed to shying away from it. Yeah, um, learning how learning how to deal with failure and not make failure your friend. Learning how to fail and not become a failure. That is one of and 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 not to fear it, because failure is one of the greatest teachers in the world. Uh, you have to taste it and you learn. See, failure is the test and then life gives the lesson. When you play and you've competed and you fail, why did you fail? Well, we failed because we weren't in shape. We failed because, you know, the wing got injured. We failed because the goalie, uh, we have to make some changes there. You know, failure is the greatest teacher, but if you run from it or if you refuse not to learn from it or if you're always pointing the finger as it hits, you'll never grow, you'll never learn. So, yeah, you have to have it. You have to have it, no doubt. The average millionaire in the United States has filed for bankruptcy at least two times. But does that come back to the media then in terms of they gloss over the fact of the, the 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 adversity, uh, the failure, or the misgiving somebody may have had just to m- yes. glorify the success. Yes, the media does an amazing job of highlighting the success without talking about the road. And the road, like if you see a professional athlete or even yourself, you know, you're like, hey, I'm an athlete, but you don't see the two a days. You don't see the, I'm running so hard, I puke. You don't see the blisters. You don't see the uh, the days where I'm like, I'm hanging up my cliques right now. I am done. You don't see none of that. And when you see singers and when you see stars and even motivational speakers, you know, we're like, raw, you can do it. You can change the world. Man, we are, our depression rates are off the chart because we motivate everyone else. Well, who the heck is motivating us? You ever thought about that? Like who is, who is encouraging us when we're pouring out? Who is believing in us as we believe in others? So yeah, we, yeah, it happens. You will get knocked down, but when you get knocked down, if you can look up, you can get up. That's what we do. We just keep getting back up. But would you agree? Remembering to keep your cup full as well. Cause you talked about outpouring to others. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's almost, it's almost mandatory that you keep 
your cup full. And that's where a good teammate will come along. A good teammate will be like, you know what? You need to sit the bench for a while. Like, I'm good. No, you're not good. You're not good. You you need to sit the bench. Uh, you need to drink some Gatorade. You need to study your play. No, you shouldn't go out tonight. You should study your playbook because <laughs> you messed up a couple times. Dude, I got it. No, you don't. I don't want to see you out. And lock the door and study your playbook because with the, that's – I tell you what, man. I played with probably one of the best offensive linemen in the history of the game. His name was Jackie Slater. He played 20 years at right tackle. And he would make me and a guy named Daryl Ashmore make us, make, him, make us hold the bags for him before practice. And so when he would set as a right tackle, the secret to being a right tackle, the stopping a defender is that you have to set straight back in, in a straight line. Cause if you set too far in, then they can take the corner. If you set too far out, they'll rush to come underneath and sack the quarterback. So he would ask me and Daryl to stand behind him all practice. And we had one job and that is, did I sit or did I set straight back? And an all pro tackle would look at me after every play. Harper, brother Harper, how's my set? I'm like, you kind of drifting to the right, Jackie. Okay, okay, thank you. Humble, thank you. Wow. So who in your life is watching your line? Who in the life is watching your six? Who's watching your back? Who's going to tell you the truth? In other words, who's your teammate? That's why you got to have one. And then I've obviously asked you this question. I was having somebody's back. Is that why the um, influential left tackle is so important then? Yeah. The, the, the most important position on offense is the quarterback. The second most important position is what they call the left tackle, and he watches the blind side. And the reason why is because above all else, his job is to protect the backside of the quarterback because the quarterback can't see behind him. If that left tackle allows someone to sack that quarterback or someone to sack his quarterback, the quarterback not only can get hurt, but even worse or just as worse is that he loses confidence. Now his passes are being released a little quicker. Now he has happy feet in the huddle or when he's in the pocket. Now his confidence. So now his confidence level drops, and and guess what? The confidence level of the entire offense now drops because we're all feeding off of him. So that left tackle, uh, he might not be as ruthless and as big as all the other offensive linemen, but he's tall and he's lean. He's a specialist. He's like a sniper. That's his job. He has one main job: protect the blind side. But then if I ask you that, then wouldn't it, wouldn't it flip of the court back? It was left-handed to be the right tackle. What now? Then if you flipped it and it was a left-handed court back, would it be the opposite and the right tackle would be more influential because then it's the opposite side, isn't it? The blind spot. Yeah. So if I had a left-hand quarterback and he threw this way, then my blind side is on the right side. The right tackle's now the blind side. So left, so most quarterbacks are right-handed. They throw this way. So then who is watching that? 
who watching that defensive end is coming from the back ready to take your head off. So you have to be able to know that somebody has your back at all times. But is it remembering to do that, obviously, in life as well? It's having somebody's back, having um, a shoulder to lean on. Yes, yes, yes. Who every human being, every, every human being has a blind spot. You don't see it all. Like we see right here. We see from here to here without turning our hands. Our peripheral vision is from there to there. But guess what? You got a blind spot. Who is watching that? Maybe the blind spot could be something coming to you. Or maybe the blind spot is uh, something to do with your finances. I'll I'll tell you a, a true story, right? So my friend and I used to go to Vegas, right? Because I wasn't always, you know, I used to go to Vegas and I just hang out. It was fun, right? I would just, you know, got to do buffets too, right? And uh, so we would go to Vegas. And so I would watch everything, but he would watch me. And every once in a while, I would be in a situation where, although I'm watching and seeing all the lights and the glitter and the slots, you know, but he's watching people watch me. And I can't see that. And so we had a code, we had a series of code words and he would say it in mid sentence, like blah, 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 this and this and this and caterpillar, you know, blah, blah. And everyone else is like, huh, that's a crazy word. Like, why'd you say that? You know, just, you know, it's good, just caterpillar. But me, that was an alert word. Like something's going on. You need to get up out of here right now. And within five minutes, we're gone. Then he'll say, you know what? I was watching these people watch you. I was watching such a, these people coming in. It was uneasy. Had I not had a person like that in my life, where would I be? So every leader, everyone needs somebody to watch a blind spot. And that person needs to have the ability and the autonomy to come right to you, not through your you know, set an appointment. They can pick the phone up and say, hey, I need to talk right now. Okay, I'm done. And here's the truth, and I love you. If you don't have that person in your life, and to be able to lean on and to be transparent with, if you don't have that person in your life, it's not good. But is that becoming more and more difficult because uh, be the invention of social media, and if we talk about obviously the professional athletes, they're going to get people um, or should I say the wrong people attracted because of the money? No, I don't think it's more difficult. You just have to be intentional about it. You see, one of the things that, one of the few things, and you know, I love social media, but one of the things that it's done is that it has masked communication and we've mistaken communication as intimacy and it's not so we have 4,000 friends on Facebook and you're getting all these chats hi 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 and your mind is like wow I'm being accepted but your body your soul craves one-on-one talking face-to-face feeling each other's energy feeling each other's vibe just sitting down, not even saying much, just having that good cup of coffee, blah, blah, and just 
you know, laughing. That intimacy, that intimacy, that intimacy is so important. And in and in in our culture, we've lost that. And so you have to be intentional to seek out people who you can say, you know what? Let me put down the chat log. Let me stop this. Let me uh, turn the phone off. And let me look you in the eye and be like, how are you? What's going on with you? Do you know how much we need that? And do you know how much that is missed in our culture? Hey, you know, I've noticed your chats were getting kind of edgy. Are you okay? What's going on with you? What's going on at home? You know, you know, David, you know, I'm having a bad week. I'm just, you know, I'm kind of down. I'm depressed. And I'm talking for a half hour. After this half hour, you know what? I feel a lot better. We don't have that no more. But do you, do you put it down to just social media or do, would you put it over the microcosm that is multimedia? Yeah, so I wouldn't put it all on social media. I'm thinking that we're not intentional anymore. That we don't think that that's important. It's like we might not see the importance of vitamin D. And you need vitamin D, but you don't know you need vitamin D till you get a chronic disease. You know, you're vitamin D deficient. You don't even know you're deficient. All you know, you just feel horrible. Take some blood. They just look at the, they're like, dude, you're lacking key important minerals. You don't even know that you're lacking them. It's kind of like that. Yeah, but then you, you would attest to this, Sean, Obviously, from a communication standpoint, that that's what that's what makes us human. Otherwise, we would still be primates. What what makes us human? As in the ability to talk. Yes. Our 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 ability to communicate, our ability to express, um, and to express on so many levels. Not just like a lion is expressing that he's hungry or she's hungry. Uh, expressing that I'm upset. Expressing that I'm depressed. Expressing that, you know, that cry for help. Yeah. We are denying ourselves that. You know, it would be awesome if they had like meetups, right? Wouldn't it be cool? It's probably, you know what? I'm going to predict this, bro. This is going to happen where there'll be meetups for three hours and you have to leave your cell phone in the car. <laughs> there's no There's no outside. If you're caught with any social media device, you are kicked out. Yeah, but there'd be a lot of resistance to that at first. Yeah, at first. But it would be so therapeutic. It will be so there, just a meetup, coffee, whatever, just talking. There's no social media allowed. Oh, first, yes, you'll be allowed to listen. But after that, the feeling that they would walk away from is like, wow. I'm, it'll be life changing. It's going to happen. It's going to happen within like a, a year or two. Watch. I'll hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> So in terms of my penultimate question to you then, Sean, in terms of 
getting somebody to go from a, an ideology, a thought process of everything is about success to going to one of a winning mentality, how would you get them to do that? So a guy wrote a book, I guess it's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People named Stephen Covey. He died a few years back. And one of his principles was start with the end in mind. And so start from that last day and work yourself back and plan accordingly. What I mean by that is when I'm 80 years old, I'm going to have a certain lifestyle. This, I'm going to have an amazing relationship with my wife. I'm going to have an awesome relationship with my son. I'm going to have a legacy set up for him. Versus, hey, it's 2019, 2020. I want this new car. I want this. I want that. I want to look the part. I'm going to be on this. and I'm going to live my best life. No, expand it all the way out till the last day and then begin to live backwards from there. That's how you play to win. Well, it's a different approach, isn't it? It's, it's not what you're taught. It's no. Taught the opposite way. Yes. Yes. Because you are taught to be productive, not reproductive. So my final question to you before we wrap up the episode then, Sean, if you have to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Oh, man. Oh, if I had to summarize everything that I just said into one sentence, like I, I got to chunk it. I have to chunk it all the way down. Is and this is, you know, I've already said it, but if life is a game, play to win. In the game of life, play to win. You will, you will get knocked down. And I'll use football, football, European terms, soccer. Football, you will take a shot at the goal. You will miss. You will miss. Do you stop and say, I'm done because I miss? No, the good ones keep shooting. When you get knocked down, when you miss the goal, if you can look up, you can get up. Get back on the bike and play the game to win. So once again, Sean, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Awesome. Hey, can I do something real quick? Um, if, if anyone wants to get a free copy of my book, you can go to Sean Harper, S-H-A-W-N-H-A-R-P-E-R dot C-O. It's a free copy of my book. Now, I'll be honest with you. Of course, I'm going to ask for your name and email, and then I'll send you another offer maybe like six months from now when I get course built but for right now it is a free book and so you can have it 
no strings attached. It's a digital copy. If you want a hard copy, you can go to Amazon. And if you want an actual uh, uh, hard copy signed, my Facebook, I mean, uh, yeah, hit me up on Facebook, Sean, Har- uh, Sean Harper Speaking or Sean Speaks. Um, find me on social media. Hit, hit it up, you know, your request, and I'll get you, in, you know, an actual signed copy. So that's just for you because this guy, I love this guy. So thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure, Sean. And thank you for that offer to my audience. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Sean and I know what you've thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Sean Harper Speaking and at James O. Roberts 11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And finally, do check out Sean's website, seanharper.org and as always do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab free resources but not forgetting I have also started a new Facebook group especially for the podcast which you can find by typing on Facebook the mindset athlete so make sure to check those links out they will be in the description you can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general so once again thanks for listening and i'll catch you next week for another episode of the mindset athlete podcast